In towns and cities around the world, libraries of things are helping people borrow both tools and toys. So how could this work for smaller communities? Welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. I'm your host, Catherine Wheatman, and I started this podcast to help people discover why circular, regenerative and fair solutions are better for people, planet and prosperity. Some people think going circular means swapping a few materials or making things a bit more recyclable. But that's nowhere near enough to create a healthy, resilient and zero carbon world where we can all thrive. Many organisations are missing the game-changing potential of going circular. The disruptors in this space are using circular strategies to reimagine how to create value for all their stakeholders. They're doing better with less. We'll hear from those inspiring people who are challenging business as usual and rethinking how we design, make and use everything. You'll find the show notes and links at circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to podcast updates, my Circular Insights newsletter and check out my award-winning A Circular Economy Handbook. Hey, welcome to episode 124 and thanks for listening. Today we hear from Mirella Faraz, co-founder of ShareShed, the world's first travelling library of things. The ShareShed van visits rural communities so people can borrow a wide range of useful things, including tools, household appliances, camping and gardening equipment, sewing machines, suitcases and much more. ShareShed has several aims. To help people save money, space and resources and to declutter their homes. To build bridges between people's needs and wants and the resources already available in their community. And to support more collaborative and sustainable lifestyles and inspire people to engage in social change. I've been wanting to feature ShareShed for a few years, and so it was great to finally talk to Mirella and hear how it works. ShareShed is supported by the Network of Wellbeing, where Mirella Faraz has worked for over 10 years. Mirella is proud to set up and run community projects that support the well-being of people and the planet. Mirella grew up in Brazil and currently lives in Devon in the UK. We find out how ShareShed works in practice and how it's been evolving as it expands to serve more communities, including finding ways to make the service more convenient for those who can't make it to the ShareShed's pick-up and drop-off schedule. Mirella tells us about the different ways that perceptions and attitudes are changing too. Let's join the conversation with Mirella Faraz of the ShareShed. Mirella, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you. And let's start by introducing ShareShed. What is it and what does it do? Sure. So the ShareShed, it's a mobile library of things and we are the first traveling project to have pioneered this idea. Thankfully, library of things is a growing movement all over the world. And essentially, 
like you go to book libraries, get a book, read it and return it. These, the same concepts that extends to things, um, stuff like tools, camping equipment, gardening, um, yeah, all, all the things you need, even musical instruments. And we are based in South Devon in England, in the UK. And we started in 2017. So we are, yeah, coming to seven, becoming seven years old. Yeah, that's impressive. It's it's quite an early um, libraries of libraries of things, isn't it? And it's very unusual in that it's mobile. Um, yeah. So can you explain a bit more about that and how it works in in practice? What what does a typical week look like? Sure. So we started uh, in Totnes uh, in Devon, in it's. Yeah, back in 2017, and we realized that we had lots of people come from, you know, nearby villages and towns to us to basically borrow things at low cost. Uh, in our case, we were open at that time twice a week. And yeah, and slowly the idea was growing, more people were using it. And uh, we had an opportunity in 2019 to apply for a lottery, national lottery fund at the time called People's Project that involved, uh, when we were, we were shortlisted, that was a fund uh, up to 50K. And we, at the time, we were a very, you know, small local project and we had this idea, what if we, by then we had, uh, two years of experience, we knew the things that were most popular. Um, and we said, well, imagine if we could go to these villages, rather than every village starting a, a project that is a lot of work, really, um, certainly much more than I expected. And, and we could just show up a bit like, you know, a bus route, we have um, a weekly route. So at the minute we serve seven communities in South Devon, rural villages really. So very small towns and um, basically we are trying to make very accessible and convenient for people to borrow things. Uh, we say borrow by the way, just because we are not for profits, we are a project of a charity called Network of Wellbeing. So we try to make things very affordable and inclusive. Uh, and yet it has that exchange, that transaction of money, while it's, tried, it's much lower, much more affordable than a commercial hire mm. shop. Um, so, so, so just that's to why it's called Library of Things rather than a hire shop. Sure. <laughs> so just to make sure... I understand that. So people do pay a small amount, but it's yeah. much cheaper than going to the to the higher shop. And do people Indeed. have to book book what they need in advance, or is everything on on the van? And well, uh, both really. We don't have every single thing in the van because uh, our library collection has expanded over the years. So at the minute, we have almost four hundred items. Um, we do have the most popular things, which include carpet cleaners, pressure washers, electric drills, 
mouse cylinder tanks, um, head streams. Yeah, we we have the majority of things in the van, and we have some very large items like wheelbarrow or a car roof box or extendable ladder available that are in storage. So people can book it in advance. It's really helpful that there is a software that facilitates that. So in our case, we use something called Lens Engine. Um, and people in our case also have to be, be a member to begin with. And that's a way that we one, we need to have people's personal information uh, and so the people can join online or in person. And we also ask for a donation between five to 50 pounds for a year uh, towards their membership. And you know that's the way we found to make things very inclusive and also raise a bit of funds for the project. Mm. project. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And so does the Share Shed typically visit each community once a week or how, how yeah, does that exactly. work? Yeah, at exactly. The, at, the, at the moment, yes, we do once a week. Depends, you know, Totnes is our most popular uh, place, probably because we've been here the longest. So this is where we stay three hours a week on a Thursday afternoon. And um, yeah, all, it varies, depends on, you know, the, the community, the place where we are parking, uh, for instance, in Ashburton, we we park at the art center, so they very kindly let us be there. And yes, they have other things coming up. So it's, you know, it depends on many factors. Obviously, funding is a big one for us in terms of what we can afford. Ideally, you know, the communities would like us to be there on Saturday mornings, uh, which tends to be the most, you know, kind of lively time of the week for small towns because of public markets, usually their own. And uh, at the moment we go to a place called Buckfastly, which is one of the towns with uh, highest poverty index in the country, sadly. So we decided to prioritize that in order to hopefully support those who are struggling the most. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like you're really kind of tuned into what the different communities need. And um, when we were talking before, we were talking about how ShareShed had progressed over the years. And you yeah. told me a really interesting story about um, the People's Lottery Award, um, yeah. putting a video together. So maybe you could share a bit about that. Yeah, sure. So for these uh, funds... Uh, called People's Project, which was a, a partnership between the lottery and ITV. Um, they they basically invited us to apply for the fund, which was first and only time this has ever <laughs> happened. Uh, and they shortlisted five projects in each kind of regional region. Uh, so they, they have their own divisions, let's say. So we were one of five projects in our area and they invited, the deal was that we had to run a campaign and over 15 days uh, to get people to vote for our project. And the three most voted projects would get the fund. So in our case, 
we applied for 48,599. That was our budget uh, to pioneer this idea, which at the time felt absolutely crazy, to be honest. Um, and thankfully, yeah, and, and Mark Jeffries, who has been with us since the very beginning, who is the person who you're you likely to see when you come to our van, who's an amazing colleague and friend. Uh, he's also a very talented musician and very creative, which turned out to be a real asset for us, uh, not only for the fun side, but because he very kindly wrote this music, this song, in which we, in which told us the story, and and we made a, a very kind of funny video, uh, high, you know, showing all the stuff we had, and yeah, and really showcasing. We had, you know, the support from, we still have the support from a number of volunteers. We couldn't run without our dear volunteers, and they were all like on board with the idea. So we make this video, and. And for 15 days, we were bombarding social media with it. And thankfully, yeah, we were one of the three uh, projects that did get the awards live. And, and how many how TV. many views how many views did it get when it went viral? Oh gosh, I can't remember exactly now, but it was like thousands, tens of thousands um, of videos. So we we've been, you know, very lucky in that way equally. Um, I didn't mention that to you before, but just because it's a curiosity that how you know synchronicities, I guess. We were the day we opened the share shed. Um, we had someone called Rob, Robin Greenfields. He's going by now, Robin. So I must correct Robin Greenfields, who is an incredible activist uh, from the U.S. He was here, and he has a very big presence on social media. And he did make a video, like literally a minute long video of our project the day we opened our doors and had no clue really what we were doing. And it went viral and that got over a million views on YouTube at the minute. Wow. So that was kind of really lovely way to boost, you know, not only our confidence, but just like a, there is a momentum here. Uh, there is a cause that really matters to people and thankfully that kind of also helped share the ethos of our projects and and people from all over the world have have since you know ongoing contact being in touch how how they do it what are the learnings that kind of thing so it's really lovely when these things happen and supports Mm. spreading the word really yeah absolutely absolutely and in terms of how you've evolved um, the share share project since mm -hmm. 2017 obviously you've gone mobile but have you made yeah. any other um you know big changes to the way that things work as you've discovered more about what people want yeah we've been experimenting with various various things such as running events that help people like learning new skills, so we call it mm -hmm. skill shares. So how to sharpen tools, um, how to fix bikes, and how to look after your bikes in the first place or repair. 
we've run a couple of events called Sharefests, which is a whole day festival to celebrate and promote sharing, repairing, swapping and making. So, and these are very, all about bringing people together, you know, so, and also give, like, amplify the voice of all the amazing projects. We're very lucky where we are here in terms of, in our region, there are so many amazing projects. And, and yet, you know, it's all about collaboration, really. That's the whole point. And another thing we've been trialing is these, what we call lockers. Uh, which is just because we are able to mean it just to be, you know, in these towns, in these locations for about two hours on average. It's a very small, short window for people to be able to come and make the most of the things. We have our, our services in general. So we are, we've partnered with, uh, in this case, a community hub in, in one of the towns we go to called South Bright. And, and they are amazing. They have all sorts of projects happening and they're open five days a week uh, and they, for like throughout the day. So now we have a cupboard and people are able to book things and let us know like, actually I can't come on that Friday between 10 and 12 because <laughs> you know people will be working or have whatever the commitment they have. So, we are then able to leave the item there and equally if they want to return it there, we'll collect in the following week. And that has uh, made possible for others, you know, who couldn't otherwise come to us to access. So ideally we would like to extend that to all the locations we have. So we are working on it at the minute um, in order to allow, yeah, make it more convenient for people to benefit from the things we have yeah yeah that sounds sounds like a good direction to um to go in and how are people's attitudes to sharing changing what what have you noticed it's definitely changing uh it's a slow going process i would say it's not just sharing it's the whole way of consuming um and being really um it's certainly we like noticed during the pandemic, there was a, a, thankfully, one of the positive sides is that there was much more collaboration and awareness of those, you know, like neighbors, really, uh, in particular, those who are more vulnerable and there were people really stepping up if they're in a position to do so, to help people in need. And I feel that that's kind of supported a change in our culture and uh, obviously it really depends on where you are what who you're surrounded by you know that your context your circumstances and all that at the same time i feel very very hopeful because that's one of the the many kind of joys of working such a project it really nourishes that sense of hope and that sense of abundance and collaboration. You know, when we were setting up, there was so much fear around, you know, what if people steal things, basically, or, you know, coming up, because we have items that are very expensive. Uh, and and what if they break and don't care? And we, did, when we made very, like, I remember very clearly that day we had a meeting, just like, 
we basically agreed as a team, let's act from place of trust, let's model, you know, that thing that Gandhi says, that's very well known, be the change you want in the world. So that was where we were coming from. And even though there was a bit of like fear, uh, thankfully over these all these years, what we've experienced is a lot of generosity, abundance, care, you know, people kind, people's kindness. So going back to what you asked really, what what's changing, um, I do feel that people are between, you know, needs in terms of financial mm. challenges. Um, it's a combination of things, really. Awareness about climate change and all the environmental issues we are becoming uh, scarily aware of. Um, and also, you know, one thing that we notice where we are in the region we are, we are is that People now live in small places that, you know, they can't afford to live in a spacious house anymore. So they literally haven't got the room to store big items like, you know, carpet cleaner. It's quite a bulk thing and you use once a year. So there, there's this combination of, you know, between just wanting to reduce their carbon footprint and in our case, it's also about collaborating or, you know, being this, hence the events we run, it's all about bringing community together and feeling more connected, more like that sense of belonging. So it, it, there is a knock-on effect that eventually it's about, you know, wow, I need this thing for a one-off job. I don't need to go and buy, even though it's so tempted, if you can afford to go on Amazon and just a click away, you know, it's very convenient that too. But there's different quality when you come to a project like ours and you talk with people and there's stories, you know, there are tons of stories around, yeah, that experience. So that's, it nourishes much more qualitative dimension, I guess, of our way of being. And, and thankfully, I, yeah, I noticed that it's changing, really, for the better. Yeah, that that's good, and and I guess it's you know potentially one of the good things to come out of the um, COVID lockdowns yeah. and so on, and this kind of um, reconnection with with neighbours and community. Yeah, in what truly matters, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, and I think more and more people are realizing that you know life is about connection and community, not yeah. about consuming stuff. Yeah. Um, no matter no matter how many adverts we watch that try and encourage us to to do that and so if you were talking to other people about starting their own library of things what advice would you share i would say find others who want to do the same mm. because um yeah as i mentioned is it's just a lot of work um and people sometimes don't realize it and, and we get lot of enthusiastic people you know individuals coming and we would say like well, get a team and uh, as, as much as possible you know to to share the loads and uh, and visit projects talk with projects because there are now 
you know, when we started, we were, I think, the second or third project in the country. Thankfully, now there's about a hundred in the, all over the UK. Wow. So hopefully there'll be one near you. And it's really helpful to go and visit. I would say, you know, everyone's works in this space tends to have a, a very open way of being. That's the whole point, right? It's about mm -hmm. collaboration. So we there are lots of resources nowadays. We've run uh, a few webinars that people can find on YouTube, literally like how to set up a library of things. Right. Which has a lot of information. I'm, I'm working a minute on a kind of handbook to share our story and our process both with the static version and the mobile version. So do reach out and ask for help, make, you know, watch, read the resource available and also, yeah, reach out to the projects. And, and also it's really interesting to see that there are many models, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's very important to connect with the people you're going to be serving in, in talk and, and ask like, is it something you would use? And if so, what are the things you would like to, to borrow? What if anything you, you are able to donate? Because like in our case, we 95% of our things have been donated, you know, and these are, we're not, ideally we would like to reach a point where we're able to repair things. At the moment we aren't, we haven't got the capacity, the resource to do so. So we say we can just take things that are, are working, you know, that are in good working condition and like stuff is around everywhere in people's garages and that's the magic of it so you put a call out and then someone's like literally yesterday you had a, a someone offering a dehumidifier because we just have one at the minutes mm -hmm. and the demand is really high especially at the, this time of the year so and someone said yeah I have, i've got your dehumidifier you know our chocolate fountain broke and it's not an essential item, and yet it's really nice to have in people's, you know, experiences and events. They can have one; they don't need to buy one. They just get one for I think four quid for a week. <laughs> we charge, you know, have the experience and re clean it, return it. And anyway, ours broke, and someone else reached out on social media. I've got one in my loft. I'm going to get it out. You know what I mean? So the there is stuff around. Uh, and I think people feel feel good about getting those things back into regular use, don't they? You know, yeah. they kind of I know we um most people don't go into their loft every week, but there's that feeling of looking at things, whether it's in your wardrobe or in your garage and, and thinking, you know, when did that when was the last time that I used that and it's just sitting there idle yeah and it you know it could be could be useful to somebody else so yeah yeah uh, and there's lots of a... lots of software around isn't there so we can put links to that in the um and to the youtube video in the in the show notes as well sure so yeah and um when we're talking when you're talking about um the share shed in the context of the circular economy is there mm -hmm. an example that you like to use to help people understand more about what the circular economy is yeah I, thankfully i've yeah i've seen tons of it i will share one that's like close to where i'm based um it's called restore in, in dartington state and they basically 
well, they do lots of things, including running repair cafes, which are these events where people can take broken items and get seen by um, volunteer menders and hopefully repaired, which are amazing. Thankfully, again, there's all over the world. What is different about them is that they do a lot of upcycling, especially to furniture. And between their skills and their kind of creativity, it's absolutely like mind blowing to see what they're doing. And these are, you know, chairs that are broken. They are beyond repair. So they would literally just go to landfill or a bath. They had a bath that was cracked and they, they made an incredible sculpture with it. So it's about, you know, avoiding waste and then creating something, in this case, beautiful, usable, and durable mm. with it. So there's a bit of what is also called craft, craftivism. Craftivism, right? is, yes, I like yeah, that. Yeah. To, you know, from, yeah, arts, sculptures, to very, you know, like creating, using a, uh, what used to be a, a drawer, becoming shelves, it's all very beautifully done, very colorful and very, yeah, creative. So it's a really lovely example. And they're, yeah, incredible there. And they need some support at the minute and more people visiting the place. That sounds good. I'll look them up. Thank you. And <laughs> Mirella, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing to help create a better world overnight, what would that be? <laughs> um many more women in power okay and um intergenerational too so young old women because i feel that would have an impact in all those things that really matter peace education care for the environment care for each other and the world would look very different i believe i'm mm. not against men at all i just feel it it's so imbalanced and and the state of the world reflects that yeah yeah i think you're right yeah and the few female leaders that we've seen emerging over the last um 10 years or so who've done some great things but they've also found it really tough going haven't they because it's um you know they're standing out a bit and sometimes getting attacked for trying to shift the narrative um, towards yeah. more caring and less less consuming so yeah, yeah. and before we pe tell people how they can connect and find out more about um, your work and share shed is there anything else that you'd like to add yeah that people you know trust in the good of the world because there is if you you know just reading the news it's so depressing and fear-based and you know it's just scarcity and violence whereas that unfortunately is the case at the same time there's a whole world of collaboration of beauty of care and joy that's happening there's a movement you know there, there, there are real stories all the time happening uh, everywhere everywhere so and tuning to that not about ignoring the, that other aspect but 
nourishing that, you know, read positive news magazines, one thing that I would certainly encourage people because stuff like that really not only inspires one person, certainly inspires me, but also like moves you forward, you know, that's kind of, if you're feeling helpless, help someone, you know, and that kind of attitude, I suppose, that hopefully will bring more good things. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I'll put a link to positive news in the um, in the show notes as well. And I think, yeah, you, it, if you can kind of, you know, nourish your um, stores of hope and and um, well-being through the local community and so on, you know, by getting involved in something like Share Shed or just having a chat with the neighbour about, you know, the um, the gardening project or the, um, you know, the hobby that you that you're taking up, then those are the things that that help energise you and and restore yeah. your faith that you know not everybody's um, like the people that you see on the news doing doing bad stuff. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, Marilla, how can people find out more and get in touch? Sure. So share sheds. Um, you can find us on Instagram or in Facebook. So on share shed mobile. Our website shareshed.org.uk. And also Network of Wellbeing, our parent organizations, Network of Wellbeing.org. And you see that you know, all the work we are doing to support the well-being of people in the planet. Mm, brilliant, brilliant. I'll put those links in the show notes. So, Mirella, thank you so much for sharing the story of ShareShed with us. It feels like the kind of community initiative that could be useful in so many places all around the world, bringing people together and providing social as well as practical value. Um, so it's very much part of the of the solution for the future. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. It's a real pleasure. Mirella and I are both fans of a magazine, Positive News, which calls itself the media brand for rigorous journalism about what's going right. It features socially relevant and uplifting stories of progress, ranging from the global boom in renewable energy to cities that are solving homelessness. Positive News says it's joining the dots between how people, communities and organisations are changing the world for the better. There's a free daily newsletter and a quarterly print magazine, and I've included a link in the show notes. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Circular Economy podcast. And thank you to our inspiring guest this week, Mirella Faraz of ShareShed. You can find out more about Mirella and ShareShed and check out all the other links we mentioned in the show notes at circulareconomypodcast.com. The Circular Economy podcast is brought to you by Rethink Global, the company I started to help you succeed with Circular. You can find information on my talks, workshops and advice, plus Circular Economy resources at rethinkglobal.info. And you can connect with me, Catherine Wheatman, on LinkedIn. I believe we can all help make the circular economy happen through the choices we make at work and in our everyday lives. Buying pre-used, keeping what we have for longer, repairing it and making sure it has another life. 
Those choices send strong signals to companies and governments, making it clear we all want a better, circular and regenerative future. We can do better with less. We can all help spread the word too. Talk about the circular economy and help other people find this podcast by leaving us a rating and a review on your podcast app. If you're just starting out with the circular economy, why not check out our Getting Started playlist on the podcast homepage. You could also buy my award-winning book, A Circular Economy Handbook, How to Build a More Resilient, Competitive and Sustainable Business. It takes you through the concepts and practicalities with hundreds of real examples from all around the world. We've made it easier for you to find episodes on the key circular economy strategies or for a market sector or specific countries. Check out the interactive podcast index. There's a link on the podcast homepage at circulareconomypodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening to the end. And if you like what you're hearing, please hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.